Welcome to Chi Alpha at Texas Tech University. The messages in this podcast were designed to encourage you and to challenge you in your walk with Jesus. We're so excited that you're here, and we hope that this message will help you to better fight for God's kingdom with us. Hiccup. Dad! Uh... Uh, I have to talk to you, Dad. I need to speak with you too, son. I, I think it's time you learned to fight, fight dragons. dragons. What? Uh, you go first. No, no, you go first. All right. You get your wish. Dragon training. You start in the morning. Oh, man, I should have gone first. Because uh, I was thinking, you know, we have a surplus of dragon-fighting Vikings, but do we have enough... Bread-making Vikings or small home repair Vikings. You need this. I don't want to fight dragons. <laughs> Come on, yes you do. Rephrase, Dad, I can't kill dragons. But you will kill dragons. No, I'm really very extra sure that I won't. It's time, Hiccup. Can you not hear me? This is serious, son. When you carry this axe, you carry all of us with you. Which means you walk like us. You talk like us. You think like us. No more of this. You just gestured to all of me. Deal? This conversation is feeling very one-sided. Deal? Deal. So if you guys aren't familiar, this is a scene from How to Train Your Dragon. And I love this movie. And I love this conversation. It sounds a lot like some of our prayers, or at least some of mine. I asked Jesus to use me. I want to come to Texas Tech. I wanted to come to uh, storm the campus <laughs> to be a part of Chi Alpha here. I wanted to serve Jesus in full surrender. But then he started to open doors, and he actually told me to go. And then suddenly I changed my mind. <laughs> it was scary. I thought I wasn't equipped. I thought I was too young. I thought surely God had chosen the wrong person. My desire, our desire, is to fight like a soldier for the army of God, but it sounds great hypothetically. Hiccup told his dad, I want to be a dragon fighter, and as soon as his dad said, training starts tomorrow, he changed his mind. (laughs) He said, never mind. It's a whole different ballgame when it becomes real. And we start to make excuses. And for Hiccup in this film, He thought maybe he could just be a bread maker or maybe a small home repairman. But what are your excuses? What are the excuses that come to your mind? I've had two tests this week, so I just need a break. I've really been focused on just raising money for my mission trip. Honestly, I've just been so tired. And these excuses can stand firm in our mind until the Father says, this is Our excuses and our fears cannot stand in the light of our Father in the call and purpose he has for our life. So when I started to pray over this night and this message, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me a vision, and it was all of us, all of the family of Chi Alpha, we were all huddled really close together, and we were all holding shields above our heads, shielding us from things. And I felt like the Lord was telling me it was time to lay down your shield and pick up your sword. We were living in defense. We were protecting ourselves from things that we didn't need to protect ourselves from. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. We are victors. 
we can operate out of the victory of the cross and stand tall in boldness and courage. And I'm thrilled to think of all the things Jesus will do in us and through us if we really rise up to be the army of the kingdom of God and storm this campus and storm this city with our swords. So that being said, being a disciple means that we have joined the army. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Matthew 4, 19 says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. So it's clear the call of Jesus from the very beginning is not just to come, be part of the family, but it's to come and fight for people. If you're a believer, you've said yes to being in the family of God, and you've also said yes to being in the army of God, whether you realize it or not. If you're here and you don't yet know Jesus personally or have a real relationship with him, welcome. This message is not yet for you, and that's okay, but I'd invite you to listen in with a filter of trying to understand the real call of a Christian. Things that you've seen or heard Christians do may not be something that interests you, but some of the things I say tonight might help change your mind. It might give you a better picture of what a real relationship with Jesus will call you to. Are you here and you've been in a small group for a few months? You believe in Jesus, you learn from your small group leader, but you've not yet looked outside of your own personal needs. You've believed that your small group leader is the only one responsible for making disciples. Are you here and you're in LTC, absorbing all of our core convictions, learning all of the practical ways that we fight for people, but you believe the lie that you don't actually join the army until the fall? Are you a small group leader? Maybe this is your first year, maybe it's your third, and you might have fallen into the trap of believing you already have enough responsibility. The small group that you have in front of you, you've gotten comfortable in discipling them, and you don't feel a burden or a capacity to fight for more. Maybe you're on staff with Chi Alpha here. You've come to Texas Tech and you've had, you had the vision and the purpose of fighting for this campus, but you've gotten a role to play, you've gotten into a comfy groove of things, and your mind has focused to maybe uh, your strategies or your methods, and you've forgotten the real mission that we're here for. <coughs> I think I've covered pretty much everyone that's here, and that could be listening right now. But ultimately, if you are a believer, you are a soldier. But the question is, are you a good one? In 2 Timothy 2.3, Paul tells Timothy, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And our old dead guy friend, Charles Spurgeon, explains it in more detail. He says, Paul does not exhort Timothy to be a common or ordinary soldier, to, but to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For all soldiers may not be good soldiers. There are men who are just soldiers and nothing more. They only need sufficient temptation, and they readily become cowardly, idle, useless, or worthless. But he is the good soldier who is the bravest of the brave, courageous at all times, who is zealous does his duty with heart and earnestness. And that is the kind of soldier we are to become. So what's our mission? If we're in the army, we obviously will have a mission. But it's not slaying dragons like Hiccup's job was going to be. So what is, what is our mission? And ultimately, our mission is to win souls away from hell and into the kingdom of God.
Even the scripture that Caiaphas founded on tells us this. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So we are Christ ambassadors. We are on a mission to reconcile people to the Father. God does not need us to do this. He's all-powerful and almighty, but his method is men. And we believe that in discipleship. We disciple in small groups. But do we believe that men are the method of going out and reaching the lost? He gives us dignity and value, and he sees us as his ambassadors to make his appeal through us. We don't do the saving, but we can do the preaching and the teaching and the serving and the fighting, and the Lord will move through us. So what does a soldier look like? What does a good soldier look like? Paul is writing this to Timothy, and he says to share in the suffering with Jesus, and that is what a good soldier is. Paul knew that it would mean enduring hardships. Paul knew that responding to the call would not just be a breeze. And Paul was definitely qualified to write this to Timothy because he himself was a soldier. We see that in his life. So if you're thinking that you're not capable, you're not bold enough, you're not knowledgeable enough about the Bible, or whatever your concern is, insert that here, listen to this description of Paul by David David Pawson. He says about Paul, he was short and bow-legged, hooked-nosed and balding. So, Rob, you're in good company. I don't know where Rob is. (laughs) I think he's watching the kids. (laughs) His eyebrows met in the middle. His eyes looked odd. He had very rough hands. And then add the fact that he never stayed in one place very long. He often upset people. He's been in trouble with the police. He spent time in prison. He was a very dogmatic preacher. Furthermore, he wasn't married. He's a part-time tent maker. He divided his congregation and he spoke in tongues. But God has a habit of choosing the people we think are most unlikely. And thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful none of these things disqualified Paul. If they did, so many of us would be disqualified. But the truth is that nothing disqualifies you from being a soldier except you. If you say no to the army, then you're not in the army. (laughs) If you choose selfishness, if you choose your insecurities, that is what disqualifies you. Other than that, nothing else disqualifies you from that. And I'm grateful. Thank you, Jesus. If you say yes, God will use you. And that's something that you can be sure of. So Paul was fully submitted to Jesus and spent his life fighting for people to be reconciled to the Father. So let's look at how he did that. In the video, I love that the father just kind of handed him the axe. It wasn't, it wasn't because he wanted it, but his father handed him the axe and said that hiccup when he went out to fight would represent the village by the way he walked, the way he talked, and the way he thought. And so to properly represent the village, to properly represent the kingdom that we belong to, we have to walk like a soldier, talk like a soldier, and think like a soldier. So we're going to take a look at Paul's life and how he did those three things. So to walk like a soldier means to walk in authority. Paul wrote his letters, the epistles that we read in our Bible, while he was in prison. He was converted from a radical Christian killer to a radical Christian evangelist. He knew the power and authority that he carried as a believer, and he walked in it. 
He had been preaching in Philippi, was thrown in jail, and then as soon as he was released, he started going to, to another city to start preaching again, which is crazy. He showed, showed his boldness and his courage in the face of all of the conflicts that he faced. He greeted the Galatians by saying, I'm Paul, an apostle, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. He knew who sent him there. He, he knew the authority that he carried. Later in Galatians, Paul writes, He who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He knew that he was under authority, fully submitted to Jesus, but he also knew Sorry. He also knew that his submission to Jesus required him to preach. The scripture says that when he was God was pleased to reveal his son to him in order that he might preach to the Gentiles. We know Jesus because we, and it, it is an obligation now to share Jesus with people, to preach the good news. So to walk like a soldier means to walk in that authority that Jesus has imparted to us. Paul also talked like a soldier, which meant that he spoke with humility. Paul tells the Romans that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Every time I read that verse, it makes me want to cry. <laughs> that is, that, it blows my mind how much humility Jesus had to come to earth and die for us when we were at our lowest. And Paul was aware of that. He spoke of that often. He was aware of the grace that he himself received, and he knew he didn't deserve it. And this produced so much gratitude in his heart, drew him to humility, and that is what motivated him in all of his actions. He referred to himself as the least of the apostles, the least of the saints, and the chief of the sinners. Paul was aware of his weaknesses, but he knew his weaknesses in the light of the goodness of God. He knew that just because he was weak, that meant that God had to be that much better, that much stronger in him. Paul tells the Corinthians, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then he is strong." He was aware that the power that he had came from his humility. He was able to do more for Jesus and more for the kingdom when he was weak because that is when Jesus could really work through him. The posture of a soldier has to be humility. We recognize that God is God, we are not, and we remember the grace that we received ourselves. <laughs> Let that produce gratitude in our heart bring us down low, and really want to see grace work in other people's lives. Yeah. Lastly, Paul thought like a soldier. His mind was set on eternity. It meant that he wasn't focused on his circumstances, but he kept his mind on his mission. When Paul told Timothy to be a good soldier, he said to share in the suffering with Jesus. Paul knew that being in the army did not mean that everything would go easy or smoothly. Paul was in and out of jail consistently because he kept preaching the good news. He had his mind set on eternity and not on his circumstances or any of the inconveniences he faced. But how often do we see our discomforts, our personality, our natural abilities, our tiredness or our busyness, 
our sicknesses, our fears, as a reason to back out of the fight. It's easy to justify settling into a routine. It's easy to justify treating ourselves to several hours or days of personal time or Netflix binging. It's easy to justify that we aren't called or we aren't the right person for the job, but that just means your focus is on the wrong thing. Your focus is on yourself and not on the gospel. Your focus is on the now instead of on the eternity that awaits us. A soldier has to keep his mind on the mission. And we said earlier, the mission is to save people from hell and into the kingdom of God. This has to be the thing that we think about consistently. It has to be our focus. Our focus properly set on Jesus where it belongs, not letting any of our circumstances be a hindrance or excuse for not fighting like a good soldier. Your eternity with Jesus isn't a luxury that you get because you happen to be at church or Chi Alpha or meeting us on campus or in a small group at the perfect time, the perfect place with the perfect person. You can spend eternity with Jesus because Jesus died for you. He gave his life as the ultimate soldier in the kingdom. He died the death that you deserve. He gave you the ability to be a son or a daughter of God. He invited you to be his disciple, and he called you to be a soldier. Suffering with him, suffering with him to bring souls away from hell and into the kingdom. Jesus was fully submitted to the Father. John 5, 19 says, So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The Son cannot do anything by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Jesus gives that command that we're most familiar with, go and make disciples. But right before he says that, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He knew that he had all of the authority, and he also walked in humility. He operated in knowing that the Father was the ultimate guide, and he didn't do anything that the Father didn't tell him to do. But all of this was because of love. He loves us enough to fight for us, enough to die for us, enough to preach and teach and travel with no reservations because he knew the value of people. If you're here and you aren't sure about Jesus yet, if you're listening to us talk about suffering with Jesus and you're not even sure if he's trustworthy, that's okay. This call to be a soldier is not for you yet. Don't be scared. <laughs> The first step is to acknowledge the good news of Jesus' death, the love that he has for you, the value that he sees in you. You can be a son or a daughter of God. Know that Jesus died for you because he sees you valuable. The person that brought you here loves you too and wants you to be in relationship with the Father, wants you to experience that love too. And just like we watched in the video, it was his father talking to his son. And the son knew that he didn't have to be afraid. He, he was hesitant, but he did not have to be afraid of the call because he knew his father was trustworthy. This is why we can be safe in the fight. We can say yes to being in the army because our father isn't angry and he isn't mad, but he just said, this is serious. And he called us to fight. So his voice is firm, but it's not angry. So when a, a soldier is fighting... Is he more concerned with what is in front of him or what is behind him? 
Often we're too focused on the enemy that's in front of us, the thing that we're fighting against. In the fight against abortion, for example, we're angry at all of the people that pass the laws or pass the policies. We're angry at the people that get abortions. We're so angry at what's in front of us. But ultimately, the willingness to fight against it is because we love what's behind us. We love the babies and we want them to be protected. And you see the danger that could happen to them if you didn't fight for them because you love them. And that is what's most important, is loving the thing that's behind you. We love people, which is why we're willing to fight. We battle to protect them, and that's what motivates us as an army of God. So if you don't have a willingness to fight, I'd ask you, do you love what's behind you? Do you love people? What are you willing to do to see people won into the kingdom? Do you walk in the authority Jesus has given you to heal and to pray, to set the captives free? Do you talk with real humility, aware of your weaknesses, fully relying on the words and the direction of the Holy Spirit? Is your mind set on eternity, able to look past all of your circumstances to see the joy and the glory that comes from suffering as a soldier? I'm going to close by reading a quote by A.W. Tozer. It's kind of long, so hang in there. He says, There's a kind of suffering known only to the Christian. It is voluntary suffering, deliberately and knowingly incurred for the sake of Christ. Such is a luxury, a treasure of fabulous value, a source of riches beyond the power of the mind to conceive, and it is rare as well as precious for there are few in this decadent age who will will of their own choice to go down into this dark mine looking for jewels. But of our own choice it must be, for there is no other way to get down. God will not force us into this kind of suffering. He will not lay the cross upon us or embarrass us with riches we do not want. Such riches are reserved for those who apply to serve in the legion of the expendables, who not love their lives unto death, who volunteer to suffer for Christ's sake, and who follow up their application with lives that challenge the devil and invite the fury of hell. Such as these have said goodbye to the world's toys. They have chosen to suffer the affliction with the people of God. They have accepted toil and suffering as their earthly portion. The marks of the cross are upon them, and they are known in heaven and in hell. But where are they? Has this breed of Christian died out of the earth? Have the saints of God joined the mad scramble for security? Has the cross become no more than a symbol, a bloodless and sterile relic of nobler times? Are we now afraid to suffer and unwilling to die? I hope not, but I wonder, and only God has the answer. So do you love people enough to fight? I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. You are so worthy. You are so marvelous, Jesus. The death you died on the cross was for us to be reconciled to the Father. Thank you. You saw our value. You left heaven. And you agreed to die the horrible death for the sake of us. You loved us and you saw our value and we're so unworthy. 
Jesus, would you let this produce gratitude in our heart? Would you let this bring us to humility in this gratitude and this grace that we receive? Would this be a propelling force to make us lay down our lives for you, just like you did, to help us walk in humility, walk in authority, and stay on mission with our mindset on eternity? Would you help us to see the value of people, and would we want nothing more than to see people one into your kingdom? Give us opportunities to be bold this week and the rest of the semester and the rest of our lives. Give us eyes to see those opportunities. Would we think outside of ourselves and past our circumstances to see you and to see people around us? And Jesus, give us the courage to walk in your victory. Help us to put our shields down. Help us to pick up our swords and help us to storm this campus, this city, this nation in the world for you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Texas Tech Chi Alpha. For more information, you can visit our website at ttuxa.org. Hiya, baby.